It's a significant risk to public safety. Growing landslide risk. An entire community in the Peace Region ordered to evacuate on Thanksgiving. He was absolutely an outstanding kid. and This is a terrible, terrible loss. The family of a Chilliwack man killed in a targeted shooting say they don't understand why anyone would have wanted him dead. I was mortified. Uh, all the doors on the ground floor were blown out. And the Nanaimo homeless advocates that took over a school to make a point about the homeless. Now the school district says they've left the building trashed. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, a very happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank you very much for joining us. It's not a great Thanksgiving for a community, though, just outside of Fort St. John, who have been ordered to evacuate immediately because of an ongoing threat from a landslide. Our Jay Durant is following this for us tonight. Jay, it is the area of Old Fort, I do believe. So what is going on there right now? Yeah, Sonia, the Peace Regional District issuing that order today because of what they say is an immediate danger to life from this slow-moving slide. Surveys from the air and ground found new stress cracks and instability in the area. It's now not safe for workers to access the area. The continued movement of the land is now considered a risk to public safety. It's been moving about four meters a day. The evacuation order means people living in 59 homes have now been ordered out. Dozens have already left voluntarily after the initial landslide happened last weekend. The slide has also cut off the only road into and out of the community. They're being put into hotels or motels and uh, provided food vouchers, either via groceries or restaurants. Uh, There will be a public meeting tomorrow at 11 o'clock at the Stonebridge Hotel uh, to provide residents with further information. Now, we spoke to one resident who doesn't plan on evacuating. He feels the slide is not threatening the land his property is on and says there are a number of residents who feel the same way. Sonia. All right, Jay, not good news for them at all. Thanks very much for that. Uh, The Trans Mountain Pipeline had to be shut down today as a precaution after reports of a possible leak. Trans Mountain crews spent the afternoon working at the intersection of Douglas and Kalmar Roads in Surrey after someone complained about a smell. There were also reports of a gasoline-like product in a ditch nearby. Trans Mountain says it found no evidence that it was the source. Late this afternoon, though, the Environment Ministry says the leak was traced and it was to a private home. The Surrey Fire Department has now deployed a hazmat team. Crews are keeping an eye on air quality. Officials say that uh, right now, though, there is no risk to the public. Homicide investigators have issued a new appeal for dashcam video that might help them figure out who killed a man from Chilliwack in a targeted shooting earlier this week. Now, the family of Kyle Cromati say they just don't understand why anyone would have wanted him murdered. Kristen Robinson reports. Oh, life will never be the same for any of us, right? Darren Head struggling to understand why his nephew, 27-year-old Kyle Cromarty, was gunned down in Chilliwack. His friends and family are just devastated by this. Just, uh, yeah, he's such a good kid and can't figure out why this happened. On Thursday, October 4th, Kyle helped install a washer and dryer at his mother's home before shots rang out in the 46,000 block of Yale Road outside his apartment. Kyle was killed in what police believe was a targeted shooting. Somebody marked him for murder, okay? And we need to understand why. Nobody knows that's what's so hard about this. It's so senseless. He uh, 
was a great kid. He uh, was in no way affiliated with any gang. He wasn't a thug or a drug dealer. Kyle had no criminal record, worked full-time, and when not working out at the gym, he lived for his family, especially his young niece. That was his best friend, and she was his, and now she's without him, right? Homicide investigators appealing for dash cam video from drivers using Yale Road near Menzies Street between 1 and 3 p.m. on the day of Kyle's murder. If anybody else out there uh, knows anything, even the slightest thing, please contact the authorities and uh, let them know so that we can have some closure. The Cromartie family is supposed to be celebrating Kyle's father's 60th birthday this Thanksgiving. Instead, they're planning Kyle's memorial. He was absolutely an outstanding kid, and uh, this is a terrible, terrible loss. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A warning if you're planning to travel on the Okanagan Connector tomorrow for Thanksgiving Monday, of course. A significant amount of snow is expected to fall. Our Yvonne Schall has got the details on, uh, on that, Yvonne. Yes, a special weather statement has been issued for the connector. This is what it currently looks like. Rain is going to develop for the overnight and snow as early as the morning hours. We'll see snowfall Monday through your Tuesday morning and a significant amount ranging anywhere between 10 and up to 20 centimeters. Along the connector, this will be from Merritt to Kelowna. The snow level will be sitting near 1,400 meters, and this will take us in towards our Tuesday morning. A few of the other mountain passes also looking at some snow or wet snow. I'll have that coming up very very shortly and another wet day across the south coast with some breaks on the way the timing up coming up next Sonia all right thanks very much for that we'll see you later uh, Vancouver police are going over video surveillance on board a bus and it's all part of their investigation into a violent confrontation that was all caught on camera you're going to jail The incident happened early on Thursday morning as the number 14 bus was on the Granville Strip. A woman felt she was being harassed by a man, so she pulled her phone out to record him. The bus driver asked the man to leave, which he did, but then he boarded the bus again. The video showing the suspect getting angry with the woman and then trying to grab her phone. It ends with him swearing at her and then him trying to grab the woman's phone. You're going to jail. No! Tell me, help me! Well, police are investigating what happened here. They say the suspect ran away and wasn't identified. The woman who posted the video uh, wasn't hurt. Protesters who occupied an abandoned school in Nanaimo this weekend are defending their actions today, saying they're helping the homeless to survive. Police moved in on them yesterday, arresting 25 people. But the school district chair now says that the demonstrators have left the building trashed. Grace Key has the latest. It's the first look inside Nanaimo's Rutherford Elementary School after police removed a group of homeless activists from the vacant building. Inside, boxes of unused needles and used syringes, weapons, a makeshift kitchen and tools. The board chair saying they'll need to hire a hazmat team to come in to clean it all up. It's going to cost the school district a significant amount of money to repair this and the money uh, that is earmarked for our kids' education is now going to have to go to fix this. 
Police in full tactical gear moved in Saturday to remove as many as 21 protesters from Rutherford Elementary. The group entered the school on Friday, saying the building was empty while homeless people are living out on the streets. So we called the media here today because there's still some of us locked up in the jail. On Sunday, Alliance Against Displacement wanted to address some concerns regarding their arrest. We do not speak on behalf of the actual homeless people who are actually a discontent city. You are using them as pawns. But that got interrupted by a member of another group, Nanaimo's discontent city. They were there 18 hours and there's already so much damage. And then at the same time, who, who's the public going to be angry at? It's not going to be, they're not going to be angry at these protesters who are going to be gone off to the next protest whenever this dies down. No, they're going to be mad and they're going to target and they're going, they're going to target the homeless people. Now, they imply, actually, they straight up tell us that if we're not from Nanaimo, we should get out of Nanaimo. If we're not from here, we should go home. Um, and... You know what? They're trying to break up our solidarity across the province. The district says the cost of repairs will reach into the six figures, and that includes security because they've been told the protesters would return. Grace Key, Global News. Two men are recovering after an apparent fight outside a strip club in Surrey overnight. Just after 1.30 this morning, officers were called to the 10400 block of Wally Boulevard, just outside Shaker's Show Lounge. Two men were found with stab wounds and were taken to hospital. Their injuries are said to be non-life-threatening. If you did witness the incident, you're being asked to call Surrey RCMP or Crime Stoppers. Let's turn to the civic elections now, and there is more criticism about possible inappropriate third-party election spending in the Vancouver mayoral race. Although it's not actually illegal, there are questions now being raised about whether it's right for organised labour to pay union members to campaign for one candidate. Paul Johnson has the story. Last month, Vancouver mayoral candidate Kennedy Stewart made a big splash with news that he was disclosing the list of people who'd given money to his campaign and challenged others to do the same. But now some are saying, if you want to know the full extent of who's helping candidate Stewart, his list is far from complete. We should do a better job of pulling back the curtain on the kind of money that's being spent on these campaigns. Global News has obtained an email from the Vancouver District Labor Council. Last month, the union group wrote to its supporters saying it's hard at work ensuring the election of progressive candidates and that it's hired on four full-time election organizers to lead the effort to elect our endorsed candidates. One of those candidates is Kennedy. If you really do the math on this, this means that there are tens if not thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars being spent on this election that are not being uh, disclosed to the public. It certainly is not in keeping with what I was told the election rules were. The news is particularly troubling for mayoral candidate Shauna Sylvester. Like Stewart, she's also a progressive but won't enjoy the support of what some say is a parallel campaign operation that's mostly hidden to voters. The money that unions have been paying into that campaign has not been disclosed, and I think that's an issue. A campaign issue, but not a legal one. Well, the NDP government recently changed the laws for the express purpose of keeping corporate and union money out of elections, the union effort to support Stewart is exempt from that. Stewart told Global News Sunday he is still the only mayoral candidate that has disclosed his donors, which is true, 
but only if you don't count the big union operation that's supporting him from outside his campaign. Mike Klassen is a longtime observer of Vancouver politics. I feel badly for the candidates who went into this election thinking that the legislation had leveled the playing field. It's done anything but. Paul Johnson, Global News. The union representing striking casino workers in the Okanagan is celebrating a Supreme Court judge ruling. The court dismissed an injunction by Gateway Casinos against the workers on the picket line in Penticton. Global's Shelby Tom now reports on why the judge denied the gaming operator's application and why the union says it's a win for all unions across the province. Unionized casino workers in Penticton have been on strike for the past three and a half months, walking this picket line every day. A bitter labor dispute that's striking on as workers demand... Family supporting wages um, to be recognized and valued as employees, uh, good employees that we are. But Gateway Casino says picketers crossed a line, alleging trespassing, intimidation and harassment. They filed an application in B.C. Supreme Court seeking an injunction, which has now been dismissed by a judge. The casino giant relied on video and audio recordings of the picket line outside the Penticton Cascades Casino in mid-September. It shows fleeting encroachments onto casino property and strikers name-calling customers like Scab and Retired Stripper. However, in dismissing Gateway's application, the judge said such conduct, although impolite and in poor taste, is not unlawful. He also ruled this picket line doesn't amount to a blockade. The B.C. government and Service Employees Union says being dealt the winning hand is a victory for all unions. It says the decision upholds picketing as an exercise of free expression and workers' rights. Meanwhile, the gaming operator isn't backing down, saying in a statement to Global News, it's unfortunate that we're in the position of needing to bring lawsuits in order to ensure that the union picketers behave lawfully and respect the safety of patrons, the public and employees. Negotiations have been stalled for weeks. Our resolve is united. We're very determined. With neither side showing their cards, it appears there's no end in sight to the labour dispute. Shelby Tom, Global News. Welcome back. Well, it was meant to be a fun Saturday afternoon. A group of friends getting together to celebrate a birthday. It has all ended in tragedy, though. The limo they were travelling in crashing, killing all 18 people inside and two pedestrians. Matt Bradley reports. In a matter of moments, a 30th birthday party turned to tragedy. An SUV limousine carrying 18 people careened off a New York State highway near Albany. Everyone inside the limousine was killed. Witnesses say the limo, a 2001 Ford excursion, sped down a hill through a parking lot and collided with a parked car. Two pedestrians in the parking lot were killed. I heard some screaming and uh, just it looked serious because people were just, uh, you know, running back and forth. The snarled wreckage ended up in a nearby creek bed. State officials declined to comment on whether the driver had been drinking, refusing to answer questions about what might have caused this tragic accident. I've been on the board for, for 12 years, and uh, this is one of the biggest losses of life, loss of lives that we've seen uh, in a long, long time. Saying they won't release the victims' names until autopsies are complete, but some family members are already speaking out. I, I can't believe it. I, you know, it's not something you can wrap your head around. Barbara Douglas said four of her nieces, all sisters, were among the dead. They were very smart and they were beautiful and they were, they lived life to the fullest. 
The collision, said to be the worst highway accident since 2009, is now the focus of a federal investigation. The NTSB sent a GO team to the site. And there have been two road accidents in Ontario this long weekend as well that have caused multiple deaths. Two adults and a teenager were killed when a pickup truck collided with a car near Guelph. This, is ha uh, this happened last night. Early yesterday morning, three people died and two people were taken to hospital after an SUV collided with a vehicle near Port Perry. One of the injured in the early morning crash was listed serious, the other critical. Interpol says a Chinese official reported missing has resigned as head of the International Police Agency. Meng Hongwei's whereabouts has been a mystery since his wife admitted on Friday that she hadn't heard from him since he went to China at the end of September. In an emotional statement today, she says she received a text from her husband with an image of a knife the day he disappeared. China later admitting that Meng was under investigation and detention in China. Interpol has now already appointed an acting president. A vocal critic of the Saudi regime is missing tonight and the kingdom is now dismissing reports that the prominent journalist was killed at the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. Richard Engel has the details on this one. The mystery deepens tonight over the fate of Jamal Khashoggi. Did the Saudi royal family have him murdered? Khashoggi was already living in self-imposed exile, afraid he'd be arrested in the Saudi kingdom because of his fierce criticism of the country's de facto ruler, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. From abroad, his attacks continued. He wrote articles in the Washington Post with headlines about a repressive regime now unbearable. One headline comparing the Crown Prince with Vladimir Putin. But then, last week, Khashoggi walked right into Saudi hands. He went to the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. He needed paperwork to marry a Turkish woman. She stayed outside on alert. He gave his fiance Khadija his own telephone and he said, quote unquote, if I don't get out, if I don't come out in four or five hours, call, you know, the office of the president of Turkey. She sounded the alarm when he never emerged, and protesters soon gathered. Unnamed Turkish officials reportedly claim that more than a dozen Saudi agents flew in, murdered Khashoggi in the consulate, and then hid his body. Saudi Arabia is using state terror against its citizen. And what is happening now to Mr. Jamal Khashoggi is part of this policy. But today, Turkey's president, Tayyip Erdogan, would only say an investigation is ongoing. Turkey, already in a financial crisis, wants to avoid a costly fight with the wealthy Saudi kingdom. But one may be coming. Saudi Arabia's crown prince told Bloomberg he has no idea what happened to Khashoggi, and Saudi officials gave reporters a tour of the consulate to show he wasn't there. A strong aftershock has hit Haiti this afternoon following last night's destructive and deadly earthquake. At least 10 people have been killed. 188 have been left injured. Today, residents were out inspecting the damage from yesterday's 5.9 quake. A lot of vulnerable buildings and cinder block homes have been toppled. The damage is stretching from Turtle Island off the northern coast to the interior of the country. Emergency teams have been deployed to bring in relief supplies uh, to that area. 
In Portugal, more than 700 firefighters are battling a wildfire that is raging there. The fire broke out overnight in a national park west of Lisbon. 300 people have been evacuated from a campsite. Another 47 were forced out of their homes by the, by the fire. Wildfires routinely blacken large areas of forest every year in Portugal. You might remember last year, 106 people were killed in what was by far the country's deadliest fire season on record. Welcome back. Well, since late June, a couple from the Okanagan has been at the bedside of their newborn baby boy at Children's Hospital in Vancouver. Jackson was born with a rare genetic disorder. To cope with the stress of being in hospital, they're now trying to help other babies and their families. Tanya Beja shows us how. This is the first one I made. This is the start of my toques. With every hand-knit toque and painted onesie, Tyrell and Kayla Langdon try to find some peace of mind. Every night when we can't sleep or we're worried or we're sitting with Jackson wondering what he's doing, we're just keeping our hands busy. Their three-month-old son Jackson has a rare genetic disorder known as trisomy 8PQ. His stomach was connected to his trachea instead of the esophagus. Jackson had trouble breathing and was flown from Vernon to BC Children's Hospital on the day he was born. He's lived there ever since. We're first-time parents. We don't really know any different now. So it's, it's definitely been a ride. Lots of learning, lots of stress on the relationship, but I think it's making us stronger. Jackson has already undergone surgery and will likely need more. He suffers from acid reflux and about a month ago stopped breathing. That was the scariest moment of my life. Extremely hard to watch and I had a little bit of a mummy meltdown. Um, after coming back to the room, I decided that I needed to keep myself busy. Hi. Kayla started painting onesies, Tyrell knitting toques. Nine, ten. Gifts for other babies at Children's Hospital to let families in crisis know they are not alone. Yeah, we make these here and it's for your kid. And then it's that starting conversation and helps people break the ice in a tense situation. I think this one's my favorite. <laughs> so far, they've made more than 30 and plan to keep giving. These were made with love. If we can give you guys just a little bit of a smile and make your day just that much brighter, then that's our goal. As for Jackson... He has his off days with everything he's dealing with, but he's still, he's a fighter. Tanya Beja, Global News. All right, welcome back. Well, Thanksgiving might be top of mind this weekend, but some are already thinking ahead to, you've guessed it, Christmas. Hundreds of Santas taking part in the 40th annual Vancouver Motorcycle Toy Run this morning. It started at Coquitlam Centre, uh, then they were riding through Port Moody and Burnaby onto the Pacific Coliseum in Vancouver. The entry free... Uh, entry fee is a new um, uh, fee even is a new child toy wrapped in plastic. The ride benefiting the Lower Mainland Christmas Bureau. This is kind of like the big kickoff for all the Christmas bureaus. I mean, in November, December, we're all going to be busy as beavers handing out toys and helping families. And this is a significant event. The motorcycle community is, a, in, is always been a very generous community. They bring really good quality toys, and they come out in this crappy weather and support we do. He said it there, crappy weather. <laughs> I agree with you. Um, Yvonne, also I've got to say, good, uh, good job for all of those guys. But today, for anybody who is looking forward to the Halloween parade, that got cancelled in Vancouver because of the rain. 
Okay, hopefully it'll yeah. get rescheduled. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> and this is why we've had on and off rain today. It's been pretty soggy, gray out there. We'll have a very similar weather picture. This will be for your Thanksgiving Monday. So be prepared if you were planning on getting outdoors. 12 is the current temperature and an easterly wind at 4 kilometers per hour. Our high today still below the average for this time of the year that sits at 15 out of the airport. Our high was up to 12 degrees. We're currently sitting at 7 for areas near Prince George, along the coast for Prince Rupert, 11. Tofino at 12 degrees and Whistler sitting at 7 degrees. We'll still hang on to some waves of moisture. Many spots across the south coast, it's a chance to see rainfall. Also some drizzle, especially along the island. So a wet day in store. And this same system is pushing in towards the interior section. And we are seeing that cool Arctic air. So the combination of the two for higher elevations and along the mountain passes will be snow. Moisture pushing in across the southern interior will be for the morning. It continues throughout the day and then by by your Tuesday morning, it'll start to ease off. I glance at some of the totals, three and up to five millimeters for most areas, rain across the south coast, so not a significant amount, but it will be a gray day. It's the mountain passes, the Rogers Pass this evening, light snow, tomorrow it's snow, changing over to rain. Most areas, if you're traveling along the connector, that's the concern. We've got the special weather statement that's in effect with up to 20 centimeters. So it'll be lighter throughout the day, but intensifying by the evening, so be prepared with an additional uh, 5 and up to 10 centimetres. The Coquihalla tomorrow will see wet snow and up to 2 centimetres. The Allison Pass this evening seeing rain and then rain and wet snow for tomorrow morning. Flurries, a chance of it for the Paulson Summit and up to 5 centimetres. So the mountain passes tomorrow, Whistler, and if you're heading along the Malahat, here's a current shot of what it looks like, but it'll be rain for tomorrow. If you're travelling, it'll be similar along the Malahat. Three-day forecast as we go go across the province. For the piece tomorrow, it's flurries with up to two centimetres. But for the morning, the wind chill will feel closer to minus eight. Chilly tomorrow and then rebounding with some sunshine for both Tuesday, Wednesday. White horse flurries for the morning, much drier, clearing on the way for the afternoon. Coastal sections, one more wet day, up to five millimetres Tuesday, Wednesday, seeing the return for sunshine. Caribou and central interior, 10 and 15 millimetres of rainfall. Six is the high tomorrow. Dry uh, for back to work and back to school on Tuesday. Columbia and Kootenai region, the snow level uh, hovering near 1,600 metres tomorrow. Rain and heavy at times over the next two days. Tops and Okanagan interior sections, rain for the morning. It continues. Uh, the winds tomorrow gusty at times up to 40 kilometres per hour. Whistler up to 8 degrees, rebounding Tuesday, Wednesday, back into the double digits with some sunshine. And along the south coast, we're seeing drizzle or rainfall for tomorrow, Thanksgiving. Temperature still getting into the double digits, but a cool one for tomorrow, 12 degrees. And then it rebounds just in time for back to work and back to school, unfortunately. Tuesday onwards, though, look Looking ahead towards next week, fantastic with plenty of sunshine. Sonia? All right, looks good. Thank you very much for that. Now, there's a police officer in Louisiana who sure knows how to bust a move. Yeah, this is the canine officer. Um, he was talking to some kids about law enforcement at a school. Then out of nowhere, he says, someone hit the beat. The Global News and Global News Radio 980 CKNW Leadership Series. An in-depth collection of one-on-one interviews with our province's best and brightest. Featured weekly on BC1 and 980 CKNW. Okay. 
What's happening well, then? Well, we're going to go yeah. to the Seahawks. Best game of the year they've played, most entertaining. They didn't win, but mm-hmm. they play like that all the time. I'm with them. Okay. Right. Thanks, Sonia. The uh, Seahawks had won their last two games, but the Cowboys and Cardinals are two of the weaker teams in the NFC. Today at CenturyLink, Seattle stepped up a couple of weight classes, taking on the 4-0 Rams, who right now look like a team that could go to the Super Bowl. Jared Goff and the Rams offense averaging 35 points per game, tops in the NFL, but their special teams make a big play early. They break through to block the Michael Dixon punt, and the Rams have the ball inside the Seahawks 15. They're knocking on the door, going to take this in, but Goff's pass is tipped at the goal line, and Frank Clark makes the interception and then returns it out to the 25. Seahawks dodge a bullet thanks to the defense. And then Russell Wilson in the offense drive it all the way downfield, finished off by the six-yard Mike Davis touchdown run. Seattle ran it for 190 yards along the ground today. They were punishing against the Rams. 7-0 Hawks, but the Rams answer quickly. Todd Gurley, one of the best in the league, a 16-yard romp down to the two. He would punch it in on the next play. Seahawks' lead didn't last long. It's tied at seven. But the Seattle defense coming up large again in the second, stuffing Gurley on third down near the goal line, forced the Rams to settle for a field goal. And then Russell Wilson, little play action, hits a wide open Tyler Lockett, 39-yard touchdown. The Seahawks with some dynamic plays today. It was fun to watch. They're back up top 14-10. But that Ram offense is lethal. They drive the field, it seemed, with ease all day long. Cooper Cup takes the short pass, finds the end zone. 17-all at the half. And in the third, the Seahawks keep it going. Russell Wilson buying some time and finds David Moore for his first NFL touchdown. 24-17 Hawks going punch for punch with the Rams. L.A. did tie it, but back comes Seattle. Play fake again. And again, it's David Moore for the touchdown. 31-24 Seahawks. But the Rams just don't stop. They're relentless. Seattle just... Couldn't stop them when they really had to. Robert Woods with a 56-yard run here led to another Todd Gurley short touchdown run. The Rams missed the extra point, so the Hawks remained up 31-30. But L.A. did eventually kick the go-ahead field goal. Seattle was in field goal range to take the lead with under four to play. But a holding penalty took them out of range. And then Wilson can't make a connection on third down. They had to punt. Never got the ball back. 33-31 the final. Rams got all they could handle from the Hawks. 5-0 now for L.A. Seahawks are 2-3. and three. Vikings and Eagles, a rematch of last year's NFC Championship game, won handily by the Eagles. But today, the purple people-eater defense coming up big. Carson Wentz hit as he throws. Ball pops into the hands of Linval Joseph. It was a fumble, and then Joseph will rumble 64 yards for the touchdown. 10-3 Vikings before the end of the half. Kirk Cousins to Adam Thielen. Three-yard touchdown, 17-3 Vikes at the break. Fourth quarter, Eagles down nine. Wentz will go to Zach Ertz for the touchdown, but the Eagles ran out of time. Vikings win 23-21, so the Super Bowl champs drop to two and three. One more from the NFC, Packers and Lions from Detroit. Aaron Rodgers and the Pack digging a big hole for themselves in the first half. Matthew Stafford to Marvin Jones, 24-0 Detroit at the break but we know no lead is safe when you play Aaron Rodgers and he does lead them back finds Devontae Adams for the touchdown cut the lead to 31-20 you don't like to blame the kicker but it was a miserable day for the usually reliable Mason Crosby missed five kicks one extra point and four field goals that was the difference as the pack fall 
31-23. In the AFC, the 4-0 Chiefs hosting the 3-1 Jaguars. Patrick Mahomes has taken KC to another level, runs it in for the four-yard touchdown. 7-0 Chiefs. And then the KC defense comes up big. Chris Jones with the pick here will rumble in for the TD. 20-0 Chiefs at the half. Mahomes didn't have a touchdown pass, but the Chiefs still won easily. That's how good they are. Kareem Hunt, four-yard touchdown run. KC now 5-0 after the 30-14 win over Jacksonville. Falcons and Steelers from Pittsburgh, both teams surprisingly at the bottom of their respective divisions. Lots of points with two great quarterbacks, but it was all one-sided. Ben Roethlisberger to Juju Smith-Schuster, 18 yards, 13-0 Steelers after the first. And then in the third quarter, we always see this connection. Eventually, you'll see it 10 times a game, it seems. Roethlisberger to Antonio Brown for the touchdown, made it 20-10. And then in the fourth, Roethlisberger and Brown one more time as the Steelers roll past the Falcons, 41-17. Atlanta now just 1-4, the Steelers 2-2-1. Two, two Browns and Ravens from Cleveland, our final stop. Browns take the lead in the second. Baker Mayfield connecting with Rashard Higgins on the 19-yard touchdown. Missed the extra point, so it was 6-3. Now we will jump to the dying seconds of the fourth. Tied at nine, the Browns can win it. Greg Joseph from 54 yards out. Browns have had trouble with their kickers, and today no exception. He missed, so for the third time in five games, the Browns are going to overtime. They've lost and tied an OT. Now they have a win. Joseph from 37 yards out. Uh, it ain't pretty. Knuckles it through. No style points, but he gets the three points. It's uh, that Cleveland way to win ugly, isn't it? The Browns now at 500, 2-2-1 after the 12-9 win. Welcome back. Well, uh, okay, Canuck Nation, go ahead, get a little giddy. Elias Pettersson just may lead this team to greatness one day. And by the way he's going, that day should come much sooner than later. Last night in Calgary, Pettersson put on another dazzling display, scoring twice and setting up another despite the Canucks falling 7-4 to the Flames. It was his first road game. Interesting to see if he could continue to dominate even away from home. And he did, didn't take up long to score as he will uh, fire in his second of the season and first on the road in the first period off the feed from Louis Erickson and then on a power play, check out the release. 3-2 Canucks, Pedersen's second of the game and then here's more. Fancy stick work from Pedersen, check this out between the legs, draws the penalty, they're already on a power play, that got them to a five on three and then the kids also got tremendous vision. Check out the no-look. Fakes the pass back to the point and then finds Bo Horvat with the quick pass. Two goals and an assist in a losing cause. But what a performance by him. Canucks continue their road trip in Carolina Tuesday. NHL tonight, Blackhawks and Maple Leafs from Chicago before the game. Hawks paying tribute to the late, great Stan Makita. Here's a beauty four-way pass play. Finished off by Alex DeBrincat. 2 nothing Hawks, but the Leafs roar back. They got a lot of firepower. And it's two goals in 34 seconds. The second by Austin Matthews, who missed on the first attempt but stays with it. That guy is super skilled. His fourth goal in three games ties it up 2-2. Moved to the second, now tied at three. John Tavares with the deflection goal. That's his second of the game. Third of the season already for Tavares. 4-3 Leafs, but... Johnny T not done quite yet. Look at that play. Knocks it down at a midair and then rips it. 
over Cam Ward's shoulder for his hat-trick goal. 5-4 Leafs late in the third. I guess that $11 million per year for Tavares is worth it. Game three, the NLDS from Atlanta. Dodgers and Braves. L.A. won the first by shutouts. Both games by shutout, but not today. Ronald Acuna Jr. with a grand slam gives Atlanta a 5-0 lead. It's now 5-2 in the fifth. Earlier, Milwaukee completed a three-game sweep of Colorado, winning 6-0 this afternoon in Denver. Golf Nile, final round of the Safeway Open from Napa, California. Brent Snedeker had a three-shot lead when the day began, but ended up going into a playoff with Ryan Moore and Kevin Tway. It lasted a while. There's Ryan Moore's kid asleep in his mom's arms. Going to have to watch it back on PVR. Third playoff hole, Snedeker eliminated Kevin Tway for the win, and it's in his first PGA Tour win. He's the son of Bob Tway, former Tour player and major winner. Three BC boys made the cut. Adam Stenson finished uh, 541st, Nick Taylor 53rd, and Roger Sloan 60th. So they'll all cash checks. EPL showdown, Man City and Liverpool from Anfield tied at the top with 19 points apiece through seven matches. Late going, Riyad Mahrez from the spot to surely get a win for Man City, but he misses badly. Air mails it over the crossbar. It ends nil-nil. Not the epic clash everyone was hoping for. Both sides very cautious. They remain tied for first with 20 points apiece through eight matches. Chelsea still unbeaten, taking on Southampton. Olivier Giroud in his 200th EPL match. 30th minute, Ross Barkley with the strip finds Eden Hazard, and he won't miss from there. His seventh of the year, 1-0 Chelsea. And then this off the free kick, Giroud with the flying sidewinder pass over to Ross Barkley for the tap-in. Chelsea joined Man City and Liverpool with 20 points at the top after their 3-0 win. Before, the world was big and there was less to consume. But now, the world is small. We've gone from analyzing to vetting to suffocating, and our minds get made up for us. Before, clarity and context and comfort. Now, uncharted. What to know, when to care, what's objective, what is fair. So in this landscape of now, how do we find our way like before? Global News. Navigate the now. All right, finally tonight, let's take you to Liverpool, England, where thousands of people packed the streets for the second day in a row for a giant puppet parade. In Liverpool this weekend, a spectacular spectacle. Giants roam city streets. Oh, it's amazing. It feels like an actual living person. Towering over buildings and trees. It's just bringing it back to what really is magic and so imaginary. More than a million came to be wowed, including Americans Kathleen and Pete. I said, oh, they're going to Liverpool again, I gotta go. So we bought tickets and here we are. And I can cross one off the bucket list now. <laughs> it's puppetry of colossal proportions. At 20 feet tall, there's the biggest little boy you'll ever see. His playful canine companion always nearby. The dog is my favorite and he just looks so real. The last menu. The pair working up big appetites. <coughs> Nearby, a two and a half ton giant slumbers by the sea. Coming to life with the help of 44 artists and lots of acrobatics. It feels like the whole city has come together, but this is so much more than a street theater performance. The giants inspiring us to dream big. 
call this the dream of French artist Jean-Luc Carcult. Reimagining an art form that's enthralled audiences for centuries. And we don't call them puppets, <laughs> we call them the giants. They're alive. Yes, I say. Bidding farewell, but leaving behind a dream of a world where anything is possible. Lucy Kaufman of NBC News in the land of the giants, Liverpool. Have I what? Have you ever seen it before? No, you know what? They started that. Um, I was already here. Okay. Yeah, I've been here six years and they started that mm. afterwards, so I missed that. But it's amazing, Impressive. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, really cool. Yeah, it's very scary. What's even scarier than that is that I still haven't got a turkey and I'm hosting <laughs> dinner tomorrow. So if you've got any advice on where I can get one. I'm sure, people, if you like, don't mind having a little bit of everyone else's turkey, yeah. you just bring all their leftovers to Yeah, them. I don't think they're doing that. No? I think they're hoping that I'm going to do it all. So uh, if you've got any tips, can order in. send them my way. All right. Uh, quick look at the weather tomorrow? It's going to be a wet one for tomorrow. Uh, temperatures a bit on the cool side still, but then it rebounds very nicely into next week. So happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Yeah, have a great time, whatever you're doing, and we'll see you back here tonight at 11. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.